Welcome to the Hustle and Flow podcast. The platform we use to explore varying perspectives and opinion through candid conversation. We chat about philosophy, business, and all things life. I'm Sean the Hustle. And I'm Les the Flow. Let's go. All right, guys. Today we've got Laura DeWitt joining us on the podcast. Laura was originally from the Netherlands and she studied uh, law in Amsterdam and has been active in international business enterprises throughout Europe since 1998. She moved throughout Europe. She moved and established herself in Switzerland in 2006 and has focused mainly on national and international real estate market with her company, Veda Projects. She has since also founded Miller White Group, a dynamic international real estate company, which is active in development of temporary and permanent real estate concepts. Throughout the years, Laura has also been active as an international business coach in various stages and settings. So with that, I'd like to invite Laura DeWitt. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. No, it's a pleasure to have you here, Laura. Thank you as well for joining us. And um, I guess what um, I would love to invite you to do is to just uh, tell us about your origin story, where you've come from, how you've come to be the law of today, and feel free to go into as much detail as you like. We'd love to know your background and your story that's led you up to this point. Well, um, first of all, I, I think because you asked me for this, I had to think about what I would want to uh, remember and what I would want to tell and I think it all started off with um, uh, the, the people my parents where I'm born from and uh, my father was um, born from a, a German pilot just after the war uh, which was of course a not done situation and my mom is from uh, Polish Jewish origin so that was quite a funny combination um, and it didn't go that well in the family, let's put it like that. So my mom was not very welcomed anymore in the family and sort of, um, you say disheritage, I think, is that the word in English? Uh, sort of taken out of the will uh, because of her choice of husband. So, um, but they loved each other very much and they went for it and they didn't care what other people thought. And I guess that is very deep in my DNA as well. Um, that if I want something, I go for it, no matter what it takes and no matter what other people think about it. Um, and one of the slogans my father always had, and he reminded me on a very, very, like very often basis, he used to say, just do what you want to do. It doesn't matter what other people think about you. It's none of your business anyway. Um, they have an opinion about you already, whether, you, you, whether they're wrong or right, you know, it doesn't really matter. You just need to follow your own path. Um, so I was born in a very small village in the north of Holland, uh, where most people were fishermen, but my father was not. Um, and most mothers didn't work, but my mom did. So we were already different from the rest, not in a bad way, but just different. And um, I had a very uh, unfortunate uh, situation that I was born handicapped. Um, so I didn't have a hip and I had to be in hospital for the first three years of my life. Uh, with periods that were long and then weeks at home and then again periods long in hospital operations. Um, so that was quite, well, I don't remember too much about it, of course, because it was from nine months to three and a half years. But my parents suffered very badly because of that, um, because there were no hospitals in near us. So they had to place me in a hospital two hours away from them. And then my mom was 23 and my father was 28 when I was born. So I mean, very, very young. So yeah, um, 
not easy, but very, very happy child. Very big imagination. I had many imaginary friends in my uh, hospital room. Uh, I was a very happy child. And even with, uh, with that disability, it never stopped me from walking quickly and playing football and doing everything. Uh, yeah, I, I, doing everything uh, at least the, sa the same as other, other children, but probably because I felt I had to prove myself a little bit more. I always worked a bit harder to be better. Um, not always successful often, but, but often, yes. Um, just by going a little bit further than what you should do. And that's where this whole making a difference sort of thing comes from, that I feel you have to make a difference in your life every day. You have to try better every day, to be a better person every day. Um, and yeah, that's a bit what I live with. So yeah, when I was 18, I went to Amsterdam to study which I was one of the only ones from the island, from the north, uh, leaving. Uh, but still all my old girlfriends uh, from when I was little, childhood friends, they're still my childhood friends. And uh, they were at my marriage. They, uh, they were at my dad's funeral. They come to me in Switzerland. Uh, very good friends. So very lucky, really. Uh, uh, overall, if I look back, really good childhood, but in a way different that when you're born with disabilities or when you enter into illnesses or hard things happen to you, you see that people that go through a lot often turn out a little bit stronger than the ones that don't. So I've seen it all as a benefit. So that's a bit it really. Um, do you want me to go on to like where I am now or this is really about where I'm from? Yeah, I would love you to go on um, to, to where you are now. Please. Okay. So yeah, then studied in Amsterdam, uh, started working internationally as a lawyer, uh, London uh, a lot, Ireland, Dublin, and then um, already with my first sort of paycheck, I, I wanted to buy a house, uh, which I did. And that was probably my first sort of uh, interaction with investment in real estate because I bought it in the Gilder time. Uh, two years before the euro came in and then when the euro came the market just exploded in Amsterdam and by the time I sold my first house I doubled it in eight years so that was my first really good investment and that's when I realized like hey this is a really good thing to do if I do this again and again and again I might make more money with capital gain on my properties than I do by working in a law firm which I didn't particularly like anyway, uh, because I'm not very good with hierarchy or uh, bosses above me. So I, I realized that quite quickly. So uh, at the age of 27, um, I started my own practice and um, then I was pregnant all of a sudden, unplanned. Um, didn't realize I was pregnant already for four months. So that was quite an ex uh, exciting, you would say like, how does that work? Well, I won't go into detail, but you, I, wasn't, I wasn't able to have children because of all the operations. So I never thought I had to take any birth control or anything, but the doctors were wrong. So I was very lucky uh, to have my first son. His name is Bryn, he's now 19. Uh, I was 27 at that time, but I also just started the law firm. So that was quite exciting. Uh, so yeah, I just used to take him everywhere. So he was a very, very easy boy, uh, loved coming with me. Uh, and yeah, just, it, it went well and I really enjoyed it. And then at the, when Bryn was two and a half, um, I did another few good deals in real estate. 
and I decided to take a year out. So I bought a sailing boat in Gibraltar with my uh, with the son with the father of my son. So we bought a sailing boat in Gibraltar, and we were just sort of exchanging work. So sometimes I was at the boat with with, with Bryn, or sometimes we were together. Sometimes I flew back to Amsterdam or London uh, to do some jobs to make some money, and in the meantime, renting out houses. So yeah, already. At the, before the age of 30, I was financially independent. Uh, I understood uh, what it was to have a passive income through your, your portfolio, your real estate portfolio. And I also was living uh, the dream of most people, uh, when they go on a pension, they go and buy a boat and sail the world. Well, I did it when I was uh, from 27 till in the end 30. We, uh, uh, sort of that period I started first, you had to do all your diplomas, so that I just did when I was still working. Then 29 bought a boat and we went on till about 33, I think, on and off living on the boat, uh, Mediterranean, Turkey, Greece, and uh, just, yeah, just amazing. I, I mostly remember the night sails where you have the dolphins by the boat with the full moon. And at that point, luckily already realized, I'm like, guys, I'm living my dream. That's like, and many other people's dream at the age of very young. That feeling, I mean, of course, it's cool when you do it when you're done, when you're 50 or, or 55. But I think if you can do it early, you, you stand very different in life and you look very different at things because you know what is really important. And that isn't only money. But money does make things very easy. Of course. So, yeah. <laughs> so then after the sailing um, adventure, let's put it like that, um, I... Well, we found out that two captains on the ship doesn't work. So I divorced my first husband and um, I was living in Amsterdam still at that point. For two years, I was single with my son, having a very nice life, enjoying my life with my friends, uh, traveling a lot, learning, always kept learning. Uh, always wanted to know about investment in gold and silver, investment in real estate, of course. Um, First, it was only residential. Later on, I, I thought, well, maybe I should go a little bit bigger, invest in other opportunities. So looking at investment platforms uh, where you would generate um, high yields with a little bit more risk. Um, yeah, so that was interesting, like student housing, things like that. You have a question, Es? Oh, keep oh, going. Okay. So, Continue on. So, yeah, and then um, I... Uh, met my second husband who was living in um, in Switzerland and um, by accident we met each other in a bar in Amsterdam and um, yeah very interesting and he was in construction so yeah we started dating as you do and after a while he asked me if I would want to come and live with him in Switzerland and I was like well I can work quite remotely um, I had my passive income so I was quite free as well and I thought, why not? So yeah, I did that. I went to live in Switzerland, started working um, with him in the real estate construction company uh, business. So um, mostly doing licenses and um, um, planning permissions, all the legal stuff and the bank, the financing part. And then get going from, again, first residential to larger projects, storage projects, student housing projects and shopping centers. Uh, which is what we still do. We're actually selling one today. Uh, tonight, I will open a bottle of champagne. So, uh, <laughs> Congratulations in advance. Well, very soon to be. 
<laughs> yeah, so, uh, and we chose, we chose, tomorrow we sign, because uh, tomorrow is my son's birthday, 20th birthday. So we chose that day on purpose. We're always trying to sort of do big things on important days. So you will always remember. So um, yeah, lived in Switzerland for 16 years, uh, developed several companies quite successfully, construction, investment, business coaching, um, development. And the last company that I set up in Switzerland was the Miller White Group, which is an investment and development company um, for mainly uh, student housing, uh, business residences, senior residences, uh, and, and the concept behind uh, how you do that. Because basically the concept is the same, it's just the tenants that are different. So uh, when you have a student housing project, you need a bar, you need a fitness, you need a, a laundry, you need a getting together space. When you do it for seniors, you need a medical, medical department, you need getting together, but in a very different kind of way. Uh, more secured kind of different different setup, but the, the basics behind are the same. The business model and the calculations are the same. Um, so yeah, we just use the same com concept for different tenants and different um, audiences. So yeah, that's very interesting and I really like that. So we, we've developed them, we've re in, we redeveloped them, old hotels, for example. We built new, uh, we sold them again, we kept some. Um, yeah, the whole concept behind um, how I taught also in business coaching, certain things you calculate to keep them and other things you calculate to sell and you reinvest. So that's where I am now. Um, lately, a very big change has happened as well. I decided after 16 years that my market was back in Holland. So I've moved back to Holland, set up a new holding, uh, MED holding, which stands for making a difference, which is a bit like how I explained my, my sort of uh, my motto in life is trying to every time make a difference in every single thing you do. Um, and perfection is also doing your best when nobody's looking. A lot of people do things for other people. I don't do that. I do it for myself. It might sound very selfish, but if you don't do it for yourself, then you can't do it for others. I think you need to first think about yourself. So that's really where I am at the moment. We've done some great um, things with Miller White Group, made uh, very sustainable uh, projects and, and money and, and, and uh, reinvested in an energy company, an energy waste company. Um, we are investing in a startup for fashion. We are investing in a startup for uh, a detox hangover pill. They come in handy sometimes. And um, uh, <laughs> so, yeah. All these sort of things, we, we would sort of like, um, how do you say, difference, differentiate, is that the right word in English? Uh, yep. uh, not only real estate, um, also, um, yeah, just like, I love to work with young entrepreneurs, startups, they have just such a, an amazing new idea of looking at the world um, and the creativity that comes with their minds, and I love learning from them. Uh, it's not necessarily because I'm older, I know better. I really, really learn from younger people much more than I learn from my older colleagues because they're often stuck in their old ways. So that's really where we are. And where I want to go is that um, we are looking at redeveloping some um, prefab concepts uh, and setting them up all over the island, the Caribbean islands, um, that come Aruba, Curacao, Bonaire that come with Holland 
that's another company that we are in, uh, investing in and we are developing a self-sustainable housing for uh, so non, non like non-polluting uh, self-sustainable solar panels energy uh, free all these sort of things we come so we we work with a lot of concepts that go in that we work with a lot of students uh, from the technical university in delft that develop concepts for clean water reusable raining water all these sort of things come together in one house and that concept we then want to spread all around the world but we're starting in the caribbean that's where i am amazing 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 story thank you for sharing thank you for sharing and um you know what i want to really ask you about and this sort of just it, it it points back to you know the very early years of your life and you've told an amazing amazingly successful life you know that you have lived to date and you're still it seems like you're still thriving and moving forward uh, in in this regard but like I think something you said about, you know, being born with a disability and this, this sort of personal trauma that you had and what it taught you, I'd love for you to delve into it a little bit deeper because obviously, you know, it, it's not going to be as easy as you just, you know, listed it out to be to get to this point. And I want to obviously uh, allow you to, you know, tell us a little bit about what, what that experience has sort of taught you throughout your, you know, journey. Yeah. Um, the thing I I think you one of the things I'm very lucky with is that I'm born with an extremely positive attitude, and that is maybe I don't know if that's a DNA thing or whatever. But for me, um, I always I speak to myself in out loud as well, but often inside where I go like, well, just just do it, just start. You know, we will see. Yes, probably it's going to be difficult, but I mean it's not going to kill you so just keep going keep doing it step by step breaking it up in little things um and then just approaching it full on i mean i don't do any procrastination or at least i try not i can't say i completely don't do it but i do just start i think the main real secret to getting anything done done is just doing it just really uh, go for it make a plan and follow through and that's really my my way of looking at life and um, when I, I remember, I have dreams and I have memories from very early age where I remember that I thought to myself, maybe it's better I don't cry because it makes my parents very sad. Um, so for a very long time, up into my teenage years, I just didn't cry. Uh, so I did, of course, needed some therapy, <laughs> as I think most people do. So I, I, yeah, I realized that you can't always be tough. You can't always be strong you don't always have to be um so when i started talking about it it had to do basically with the fact that i didn't want my parents to be upset and i was afraid to be left alone because when you're nine months old and your parents don't come back you don't know where they are you don't know where you are um that doesn't help of course but for some reason my memory i had hypnotherapy um my memory was really still even though it wasn't easy it was it was um, positive. I just seemed to always, people came with presents to the, to the hospital. Uh, everybody was always at least pretending to be happy when they came because nobody comes into the hospital crying or complaining. Um, so yeah, in, in that way, for me, in retrospect, I really feel that um, you can only learn from 
bad things and negative and painful things. Because when you have a success, you don't go, oh, wow, I learned something from this success. You know, just go, oh, well, you did really well. But I mean, you learn when you make a mistake, you look at it and you go, well, why, why did I do that? What went wrong? Um, and how am I going to avoid that that will happen again? So it's the dialogue with yourself where you, where you challenge yourself. And when you're honest enough to even look yourself in the eyes and say, well, maybe that was really stupid or maybe I should have done that differently. Or I knew like on my instincts, sometimes you meet somebody and you go, mm, doesn't feel good. I shouldn't do this. Yeah, but he's such a nice guy. Or other people say, oh, he's so good. He's really cool. You and your instinct and you go and you feel this. Mm, okay, let's try it. And then it goes wrong and you go, see, and these sort of things I've learned a lot from, like really trust on that instinct as well. And yeah, I mean, I can't say that I haven't had traumatic experiences. I have, but I think it's the way I handled them that they, that they only turned out in, in a positive way. And of course, I mean, I would want to avoid that trauma for everybody, being left alone in hospital, uh, being very ill, I almost died. Um, because they made a mistake in hospital with the operation. So, but I think the trauma was more for my parents than it was for me, because I mean, it's, it's inside of me. Um, but I don't know why it's just not really, it doesn't feel like that. It doesn't feel like something that would hold me back. It actually feels like I'm so lucky because I went through all of that and I'm like, every day is a, is a present to me. And I'm like, also wake up like that, like, wow, let's go and take this day with full 100% and make a difference. Mm -hmm. Most definitely. And I think, yeah, your perspective is definitely something, it sounds like that has just helped you to push forward and keep going and to enjoy the, the good times you've had to appreciate them and to keep forging forward with success, it sounds like. Yeah. And also, uh, I, I give examples. My, my oldest son had a very bad accident when he was 10 and he was on intensive care for three weeks. Uh, in a very bad shape and um, the doctors told me I wasn't allowed in the hospital like they did to my parents uh, 30 okay. years ago so I went home and I got myself a mattress one of those foldable ones and I just installed myself in the hospital and I told them that if they didn't want me there they had to get the police to get me out so of course they left me but I mean that is probably one of the things that I would have probably respected the doctors and their opinion more if I wasn't aware of what it is like to be alone in the hospital when you're really bad. And I just said, I'm not leaving. So yeah, just, you just have to deal with me. And I, the, the nurses actually taught me how, cause his, his lungs collapsed as well. And it was all really bad. Uh, they, they taught me how the machines worked so I could switch them up. So they actually had an extra help in the hospital. So they were very happy with me there. Um, and yeah, also, I mean, it's nothing to do with disrespect. It has to do with respecting yourself more. I mean, it's about what I want and what I think is good for me and my children. And if the doctor thinks that the policy is that you can't stay in hospital, I don't give a beep. Stay. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, and this is just an example of how I stand in life. It's, it's like that with everything, uh, basically how I approach it. It's the way, like, you probably had this as well. Like, somebody is treating you really bad in a restaurant and they just sort of throw the plate on the table and you can see they're having a really bad day. But, I mean, 
we're in a restaurant, I'm coming there to pay for a nice dinner, I'm there to have a nice time. And this person is basically treating us badly. So I then ask, or I tell, I said, I really think you don't like your job, do you? And they go, I said, because if I was you, I would be really happy to have that job. And I wouldn't throw plates on the table to people that are here to enjoy themselves. So I confront, not because I don't respect the people, but I don't want to be treated like that. I don't mm. want to go away, feel bad about the fact that I didn't say anything, have a bad time, having to pay for it as well. And then the whole day feeling like, oh, I should have said something. Oh, I really should have said something. So, of course, I'm not, that's not something that I did already when I was 12. You learn to do these things. But yeah, I think it's very, very important to stay with your own, you, what is important for you, your core, how you feel when you're somewhere and there's something that's happening and you're not agreeing with it, whether it's personal or business-wise, you need to, um, yeah, you need to, how do you say that? Um, jump on it and make sure that you, you, you do something that or changes the situation because often then they start to smile, you know? They go, oh yeah, I'm sorry, I had a bad morning. I said, yeah, I can see that. Don't worry about it. And then they're fine. Everybody's good. And they, they are good. You are good. You've changed the situation. Like the, the, the bad energy out is gone. And you move on. And that's, again, making a difference. Making that little bit of effort to step out of your own comfort zone, to confront other people, to get them out of their comfort zone, and to make the world a little bit of a better place. That's, I think, what is very important. Definitely. And I think um, I'm really glad that you went all the way with that and, and the different ways it can go, because I think a lot of people, they avoid confrontation. Um, Absolutely. You know, it feels very uncomfortable, but it can have all these positive benefits down the road and, and things can turn out much different. And, you know, you had made a difference in that person's day and in your own, because you're not sitting there pondering on what could have been, like you said, or, you know, if someone never stopped that person during the day, maybe they would never have snapped out of that pattern and realized they were in it. Exactly. Yeah. And you know, this again, probably it's about making an effort. Um, and I think that could come from when you are, when you have been ill or where you have had really hard times in life. And, and I know uh, you, you too as well, when you've been in a situation where it was so bad that you thought, well, you know, I just can't take it anymore, but you do take it and you do get out of it. And that effort it's about just going on, keep breathing, go on, just do it. Um, that effort also can be done in little things like confronting that person, picking up paper from the street. It's very funny. I always do this, but I don't say it. I just do it. And now I see my children doing it. And the other day we were, uh, we were on holiday and my son picked up something and he put it in the bin. And there was a group of old people. It was in Italy. And they, they came to me and said, we just saw that your son did that. And I was like, Oh, I wasn't even aware. And they said, wow. And this is the, the thing as well. I think like in parenting or in friendship, it's about just doing it. These very little things. Like I, we just moved to a new country. Uh, we're starting to make new friends. And Max had a nice boy in the class. And his mom had her birthday, which I knew. So I sent flowers. We've only met once. So I, and, and, and Max went to play that one. So that's how, how we met. And anyway, so I had the address. So I sent her some flowers, um, didn't say anything. And she, she called me, I said, it's like, I'm completely in shock. 
I'm like, why are you in shock for about some flowers? She said, well, you just made my day because I'm away from my family. I feel lonely, but I don't want to say it. I don't know anybody here. And just, just made my day. And these very little things can make such a big difference. Mm, just need absolutely. To yeah. yeah. And that's in everything. It's not only private. It's not about flowers. It's also in business. These little things I see when you go a little bit further every time or a little bit further than most people are willing to. Yes, you give a lot. Yes, you suffer sometimes, but it comes back. It's like karma, you know, it comes back from different uh, areas. I, I, for example, this, you asking me, Leslie, I mean, we, we met through a business coaching platform two and a half years ago. Um, we sort of lost contact a little bit, but I think because of the good times we had while coaching and the good conversations, you now ask me to come and speak on your program. That's a very good example of how it works because you, people remember you. Um, and that's probably what is important. Absolutely. And I think the, the important thing about, I guess, everything that you just talked about is like, it just comes back to, again, doing the, the things that, that you feel represent who you are as a person. You know, this word integrity is, is very important when we're talking about these sorts of things, you know, like all those little examples that you, that you brought up, you know, picking up the garbage or, or sending the flowers, there was no uh, intention behind that. It was just, you know, it was just about, you know, you trying to, you know, live by your own uh, values and principles as a, as a human being. And, you know, people can feel the difference between that and someone who is, you know, trying to, I guess, again, um, trying to get something out of, you know, a, a certain action, you know? Yeah. If you give to get something back, it's not authentic. It's not real. And it's not gonna make you happy either. I'm my only reason for giving is because it really makes me very happy. Um, and I don't expect anything back. And I've had some issues where I've, I've lent a lot of money to a lot of friends. Um, and then I say to myself, and some cannot repay, which I basically already knew. And then I, I speak to myself and I say, well, why did I give them the money? Or why did I lend them the money? Because they needed it and because I wanted to do it. Because mm. if I didn't want to do it, I would have not done it. I know myself well enough. I don't do anything that I don't want to do. So just forget about it. You've given them the money. It made everybody happy. And it's, you know, fine. And as soon as I decide to do that, the bad feeling is gone. And I can still be friends with them. But if I would be angry because they didn't repay me and i already knew they couldn't anyway i mean if somebody has to get if you have to lend somebody five thousand euros that's for me not a lot of money but if that is a lot of money for somebody else it means they're not going to ever be able to pay it back right and it can it can cause a very big void in your friendship like a breakup in the friendship because they feel bad they can't repay you you feel bad because they don't repay you so the only way to solve the problem is just to say it was a gift. I'm happy because I've been able to help and to give something and they are happy and we're still friends. So it's a win-win, but it's all about that communication with yourself because you can create such big problems internally and conflicts about these sort of things. And I have friends who, tell, who say, but oh, my mom, for example, uh, sorry, mom, if you ever hear this, but she's like, but aren't you angry? angry that they're not paying you back it's like no i'm not angry i'm happy that i was able to help mm. that's it so yeah. it's really inside of you it's all there 
it's it's here and here uh, where you can change the world absolutely i couldn't agree with you more and like you know i think it's like um it comes back to this word perspective and like it's amazing how you've been able to seemingly like see the world very differently to a lot of people, like as long as, uh, you know, you can remember. And like, I want to draw you back to the, the, the story when you, you mentioned that you, you know, basically lived everyone's dream, you know, the collective society, they have this like goal in life to, to live a certain way to achieve like this, you know, this grand uh, comfort of, of, uh, you know, sailing the, uh, sailing the oceans in their own boat and, and uh, relaxing for the rest of their days. Right. You, you experience that at, at an early, early enough age to, to, to then say that that's not what everything was about. So tell me what, what, what did it teach you in that, in that instance? Um, for me, what is very important, I've always had this sort of very free spirit. So if I wanted to do something, I did it. Whether I, that's why a nine to five job for me was absolute horror. And I realized that early enough um, because I, I feel that you need to be uh, constructive when you feel like it, because then you can do something in two hours, which otherwise will take you a week. So you need to be able to be free enough to, to take action when there is space in your mind for that. If you're being forced to do something, uh, or there is a deadline and uh, people are on your back, the work won't be good. That's, that's my perspective. Yeah. So um, when I was, the, the best ideas um, and the basics for the rest of my life were made in the time where I, when I was sailing. Um, waking up, jumping in the sea, early morning, uh, swimming with dolphins. I mean, they're just by the boat, you know. First of all, it's a bit scary, but then... I mean, yeah, well, what are they going to do? Eat you? No, not really. So you just dive in anyway. You, you overcome your fear. I've overcome quite a lot of fears uh, uh, while sailing, fearful storms and the boat sinking with my son in it, all those sort of things that you make up in your mind. And again, sharks or dolphins and all those sort of things. Just, just doing it again, jumping in, thinking, okay, I'm just going to do it. Um, and yeah, that was... That was um, that, that idea of living that life that most people work for their whole life and most of them don't even make it to do it. Um, mm. That feeling was very good. I had to be, I had to sort of pinch myself every now and then thinking I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Enjoy it. Look around, see how amazing the world is like. Uh, yeah. Just try to experience it as much as possible. And um the thing was that after about six months, I think, I was like, okay, now I've had enough of relaxing. Uh, I have enough new plans, you know, because you make, you, you become creative and there's space in your mind. Uh, let's go and do something again. And then I was doing some work and taking on some contracts. And then when I, when I had enough or when, when the contracts would finish after three months, I would go back and again enjoy. But that combination of being able to, to, to make your own day, uh, do what you want. I'm always very early riser anyway, whether I work, have to work or not, because I love being up before the rest of the world. That gives me a lot of energy. Um, and on the boat, it's even better when you see the sun coming up. You just feel like you, you're king of the world. It's incredible. So yeah, that, that sort of energy and feeling, um, even now, some days when, because I mean, I'm back in Holland where it's not always very good weather, as you know, 
which is a bit of a bummer. So some days I wake up and it's dark and I just, I can go back into that moment waking up on the boat and I can relive that energy and feeling. And it just gives me energy and power um, that I had all that. It's not something I'm longing for, it's something I already had. And it's given me, I, I mean, I would recommend it to everybody to take a sabbatical, travel the world, because uh, your life will be much easier and different afterwards uh, yeah. with that experience. Mm. That's such an interesting perspective as well, because I think a lot of people think, oh, just do all this hard stuff now, and then I'll be able to take it easy later. Whereas what you're saying is take the time now, do that sabbatical, and life will become easier after that. Exactly. Figure out who you are, what you want, what is important for you, your values. And you, you, when you get that time to think and to that space to be creative, whether it's physically or, or emotionally, um, you figure out, like when you're alone on a boat for three weeks, you have time to think. And that's when you figure out, this is important for me, that's not important for me. Why was I making such a big thing out of something so silly? I mean... I, w I should have just let it be for a bit and it passes by, you know. Um, this reminds me of a funny story that I think I shared with you, Leslie, but I think it's probably important to share. When I decided to go and live in Switzerland, away from Amsterdam and the party life and the fun life, which I was enjoying quite a bit as well, um, I thought, hmm, am I going to be able to do that? live in the countryside in the middle of nowhere so i decided to go on a silent retreat a vipassana 10-day silent retreat in a monastery brilliant idea not anyway so there i was and i talked a lot as you can see and there i was and everybody was like what are you going to do and why are you going to do that i was like well I just think it's cool, you know, I want to try to see if I'm able to be silent and I want to see if I can meditate 10 hours a day. Um, so I went to the uh, monastery and we got this introduction by this guru from India. And there were about a thousand people, men and women were separated. You slept with like five people on the room. And can you imagine that you're not allowed to speak to anybody? So it's, it, it's so they gave us the introduction and then they said from eight o'clock on tonight, the silence starts till uh, 10 days from now. So I only said once a word uh, on that evening because I opened the door and I hid it into somebody's face because I came out of the toilet to see what had to come in. And I said, sorry. And I was, uh, I was like, oh, not shit. I'm not supposed to say something. <laughs> <laughs> and then... Um, so that was the only way. And then anyway, so started off with the meditation and the morning walks and you had only food twice a day and it was vegan. So, and it was very cold. It was in December in a monastery in Belgium. So anyway, it went quite well uh, up till about the sixth day. So I did the, me the meditation and everything and no words. And I just got really, really silent inside and I really enjoyed it actually. Um, and then the guru asked me to come to him uh, so he he put me in this room and you're not allowed coffee you're not allowed phone you're not allowed books you're not allowed any personal belongings except your clothes um so he they put me in his room full of books and i love books it's like my next to shoes my biggest hobby so 
I had this room full of books and I, I sat there and I waited and I waited. One hour passed, second hour passed, third hour passed. And I just thought, okay, well, I'm going to read a book, you know. So I picked this one book from all these thousands of books because it was a library. And I picked this one book. And it was a very thin book. And it was a book about two Indian brothers from a very wealthy family. And one was a very kind brother and the other one was a very unkind brother and the unkind brother talked his dad into giving him all the money when he would pass away um, and the company and everything because he was a really greedy bastard and the other brother only got the father's ring do you know this story i don't know no. so, so the other brother only got his father's ring when the father passed away and he left uh, a house and he, he went on his travels and the other brother had all the money and all the everything and the gold and the this and the that. And he partied and he, of course, completely messed up everything and lost everything. So after 20 years, the, the good brother came back home and he did really, really well for himself. He was happy, had a wife and a family, set up a new company, did really, really well. And his other brother was run down, like bad health, uh, very, very unhappy, lost everything. His friends, his wife, his children, nobody wanted to see him anymore. So he said to his brother, so the bad guy said to his brother, how come that you did so well for yourself? Your father left you nothing. You had nothing to start with. And he said, and the brother said, well, I had nothing. I couldn't lose anything either. And he said, I only had this ring. So he took off the ring and he, in the ring, it was written, also this will pass. So that for me is something I got out of that. So they kicked me out of the Vipassana, ending the story, because I made too much noise by being quiet. <laughs> I got sent away, but I got sent away with one of the most important lessons in my life, which is also this will pass. So answering to your question, when something really bad happens, I remember this. I don't have a ring where it's written, but it's in my mind. And I remember, and I say to myself, no matter how bad things are, also this will pass. Mm. And that was such an amazing lesson. And then I went to Switzerland and I made it for 16 years. And then I found out it was a bit too quiet for me. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, funny. I mean, uh, th th what a powerful lesson you get. And like, you know, everyone's going to get a different lesson from those types of experiences. And, you know, I myself have, had many of those experiences, um, you know, uh, between the time we last spoke and, and now, and, um, you know, it's funny that you bring up meditation because that's what I do now for a living. I teach and I design programs surrounding meditation because it's been something that has, you know, changed my life personally. And, um, you know, the, the word that you keep bringing up and it's funny because my, my business is called finding space and you keep saying, you know, creating this space in your life, whether it's, you know, mentally, spiritually, physically, whatever it is. And, and it's paradoxical, right? Because, you know, both Sean and I have done the nine, nine to five before. Um, we no longer do the nine to five, nine to five. Um, but it, it does, it stops us. It doesn't allow us space in order to give our, ourselves the, the ability to be creative, you know? And like you said, it's, it's such a interesting way for you to put it is that when you feel as if you need to put energy towards something, then you do it, right? But it's, 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 it's a very difference between being forced to do something that you may not feel 
you know, that your heart is telling you to do within this, you know, boxed time frame of nine to five versus having the freedom, the clarity, you know, and the space to allow the creative, uh, you know, energy to, to just come up when it needs to come up and then act upon it when you need to act upon it. You know, it's so different to the way the world has been designed. So uh, I love the way that you put it there. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. You, you're very right there. Also the space to, to figure, I mean, we're born um, as, as a person, as a whole. And when we, start growing up i think a lot of that uh, falls away by how the world is created what you just say the, the way we have to behave the things we have to do the things we're not supposed to do mm. uh, and by the time we're like five six years old most of what we're born with has been um how do you say um controlled by what we are expected to become instead of who we really are and that's why I started also saying that what other people think of us is none of our business. Um, you have to, it's about what you think of yourself. Absolutely. And that is your, your, your core values, figure them out. What is really important for you? For me, it's freedom. Freedom mm. is the most important thing. Um, and it goes this far that when I go on holiday on an island and I can't leave, so something happens and I want to go and I can't, it drives me insane. I need that freedom to do what I want to do and when I want to do it. And if you figure that out very, maybe it comes from being stuck in a, in a hospital bed for three years. I can imagine that might have something to do with it because mm. I was really stuck. My legs were tied up with, with plaster and everything. I couldn't move. Um, I think I might've thought at that point, if I ever get out of here, I'm never going to be stuck again. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's what you're saying, but that space, what you're talking about, Leslie, that space uh, you can create definitely with meditation inside your heart and inside your, your, your spirit and your mind. Um, it's very important that you do that. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, you know, like you said, that that uh, those three years, those initial three years, what a what a blessing of a lesson it has has given you to you know you know highlight the 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 values which you stand for, and like you said, so poignantly and so directly, you know, figure them out. And a lot of people just don't do that, you know, because they're essentially adopting uh, the the values or principles that they're being told to say that are important to them but that's important to the collective whole, but not necessarily to you as an individual. Right. So it's a, it's a very tough thing. It's not easy for us to break away from these things, especially because, you know, we live in a world where collectively we care about, you know, a very clear set of values, but you know, this is uh, the, the challenge and the courage of being uh, an individual and, and finding out your own truth. Yep. Very important. I, I, when I ask my children, like, what do you want to eat tonight? Or would you like to eat this or that? And they say, I don't mind. I said, of course you mind. You should mind. You should know what you want. You should mind about what anything, ha what, what anybody does or what anything, what is happening around you. You always mind. It's just that you don't dare to say it. Mm. And I, I force that, unfortunately. <laughs> I'm not always an easy mom in that way, but I say to them, I want you to mind. 
tell me what you want. Tell me what you feel, what you need, what you, what you don't want. And a lot of people, they just say, I don't mind. Mm -hmm. So we go for a walk, I don't mind. Would you like to watch a film? I don't mind. I hate it when that happens. Sorry, I hate a very strong word, but you should mind about every little single thing. Um, and it takes again that effort inside of you to figure out, to ask yourself, what do I want? What is important for me? Uh, and, uh, and that is again only done when there is space to do it. When you create that space, whether it's through meditation, through mm -hmm. sport, or living on a boat for a while, whatever it is or whatever it takes, the earlier and the younger you do that, the better it is. Yeah, absolutely. And like, you know, it reminds me of a quote, I think um, Carl Jung said it, is that, you know, it's hard to think so people judge instead, you know, and it is, it is hard to think, right? It is difficult yeah. to, to think and actually sit and try and process your feelings and intellectualize them and, you know, turn them into something that means something to you, but not necessarily anyone else. But, you know, that, that is the challenge of, of, of being a human being. So, um, you know, I can, I can already see that your, your children are going to be, you know, wonderful human beings, you know, being led by a mother like you. So, you know, very powerful lessons that you're teaching them. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I can see, it, um, I can see it already in them. The oldest one is now studying, um, uh, in the, in the Leiden university, but he lives also in the Hague and the younger one is, uh, is a bundle of energy and joy. Um, but I do try to definitely, um, I teach by, by doing it myself, by showing, I don't put many regulations or uh, blockage or, or limitations. I just let them do until it goes wrong. And then I just correct a little bit if necessary, but I do let them make their own mistakes. It's very, mm. very important. Absolutely. I mean, true leaders are role models, right? They do, they do the actions themselves. They don't, they don't talk about it. So yeah, um, absolutely the best way to go about it in my mind. Um, you know, that's why they say talk is cheap, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. All right, Laura, it was wonderful to chat with you again. Um, you yes. know, it was a pleasure to, for, for you to come here. I'd love for you to, you know, uh, tell the audience where they can find out a bit more about you, maybe, you know, about your, your projects or your work or uh, anything at all. Just uh, the floor is yours. Yeah, so um, Feda Projects is my business coaching uh, um, company where I also uh, help people individually to invest, uh, to learn to invest in real estate. How does the concept behind it work, the business model to understand uh, all the, the concept within that investment world? Because there's quite a lot of technical knowledge that you need to have. Um, how you do your calculations, what is a good thing to buy, what is not, what to look for. Uh, and I have uh, objects that I put within that business model that you can buy with us. So you know for sure that you're secured. Um, that's fedaprojects.com. Um, and Vida comes from um, the overall knowledge. It's, it's an old uh, transcript, uh, Sanskrit, sorry, uh, word that means basically the knowing it all, the knowledge of it all. Mm. Um, so that's number one, not that I do but uh, I try to learn <laughs> a little bit more every day, but that's number one. Um, my other company is called Miller White Group, um, .com. It's a investment development platform for mostly commercial real estate, 
worldwide, uh, you, if you go to the website, um, you will see there's many very large projects on that. Again, possibilities for investors, but those are only for professional investors, which means over 100,000 euros, um, because these are higher risk and higher return projects. Um, that's number two. And then we have a company for all developments in the Caribbean, which is hammockandhammock.com, uh, which is a holiday uh, rental. We buy, we buy or uh, build houses, develop them into our concept, and then we sell them to end buyers or investors, and we rent them out to tourists. And we do that all through the Caribbean. And with this, we are now developing our own self-sustainable house. So that's a project that I'm uh, looking forward to. Then the electricity company that I'm part owner in is called Allura Energy. Um, it's, it's a young dynamic electricity company, non-nonsense and very, uh, very, how do you say, approachable. Um, and we are growing very rapidly at the moment in Holland. We only entered this about six months ago and it's going very, very well because a lot of people are sick of paying too much. So we are about uh, 10 to 15% cheaper than, um, than the average uh, energy company. And uh, we mostly focus on small businesses, but also private, um, uh, private people, private houses can become uh, our member, our client. So that's another one. And then we've got the MET holding. MET stands for making a difference. And I'm currently finishing my book and my coaching program for that. And with that, that's more related to what we discussed today. Like, how can you make a difference every day? And what are the important points to look for and to listen to inside of you and to create that space, like you said, Leslie, uh, to figure out what is really important for you so that life becomes much easier uh, and you can become far more successful in all, uh, all the different aspects of your life. Awesome. Thanks, Laura. We'll put all the uh, details in the show notes so everyone can find you easily. So thank you for sharing. You're very welcome. It was really a pleasure. Thank you both. Thank you. Sean, where can people find you, mate? Yep. Easiest place to find me is just on Instagram. So Sean underscore Coop. That's S-H-A-U-N underscore C-O-O-P. And how about you, Les? Where can they find you? Yeah, they can find me on my website, findingspace.co. Uh, you can send me an email and find out more about my upcoming uh, meditation program, which is due to launch quite soon. So, you know, keep abreast of that if you want to sign up to a, a newsletter and, uh, you know, keep updated there. Uh, Facebook and Instagram, again, it's at findingspace.co. Uh, any of those uh, channels you can get through to me and say hello. Uh, you can also get Sean and I through our email address for the podcast, the hustle and flow podcast at gmail.com. If you've got any questions for Laura and, or anything about this particular episode, or you want to become a guest on our upcoming episodes, just send a, send us an email and say hello. And, uh, Laura, I'd just really like to thank you again for taking the time to join us today. Um, I feel like there's so many different paths we could have gone down. Perhaps we can have you on again to go down some of those. I think I'd really enjoy that. I would love that, Sean. Thank you. Thanks. And I, I just really want to acknowledge you, Laura, for uh, living life on your own terms and taking responsibility for your own life. And I hope that people really take that away from today and, and your example and, and do something with that. Yeah. I, um, I can just say that, you know, if you don't live your own life uh, for yourself, I mean, how, for who are you living it and why are you doing it? You know, there is no other way. Whether You can't do it for your children. You can't do it for your friends. You have to first do it for yourself. Number one. Wholeheartedly agree. 
Yeah, thank you so much. And um, if you're listening today and, and you've taken a little nugget from our conversation, you've enjoyed it, feel somebody else might take something away from it as well. We just ask that you share it with one other person. That's how we grow the podcast to get into the ears of more people. So until next time, guys, thanks for listening. See you guys. Bye.